0: I tell you, it, it, it's not easy to live holy in such a, a wicked and sinful world today, amen, in which you're trying to just cram sin uh, down your throat and, and accept an unnatural lifestyles. It's just, it's one of those last day scenarios, amen. And, uh, you know, when you read uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, it's like reading the front page of a local newspaper. You know, the Bible is such an up-to-date book, amen, more up-to-date than next week's news. And so Paul said, This know also that in the last days. And what's going to happen in the last days? Perilous times shall come. And I'm convinced we're living in those perilous times right now. Is it going to get any better? I mean, I'm not a gloom and doom Bible prophecy guy here, okay? I'm just letting you know what the scriptures say. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But it's not going to get any better. It will only get worse leading up to the rapture of the church. And then anybody left behind, after the rapture, left on earth, you in serious trouble. Yeah, that's right and that's another statement when I say that, you're in serious trouble. Because I wouldn't want my worst enemy to be left behind at the rapture of the church. Yeah. To go through a future, terrible, seven year period of tribulation to come upon this world. That's the reason why you need to come back tonight, because tonight I want to... Talk about, will there be a World War III? And if there will be a World War III, where is it going to be fought? That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. And we will look at the location. I'm going to show it to you on PowerPoint. Where it will be fought. As a matter of fact, I take my tour groups there all the time. In the northern part of the state of Israel. So you need to come back tonight as I talk about where will World War III be fought. And all we're going to do is just look at God's Word. Amen. No hype, no drama, no sensationalism. I I, I really can't stand that when you got prophecy teachers out there today that try to make a mountain out of a molehill. And what they do is they think outside the box. Actually, they think outside the Scriptures. And they want to come up with something new you know, to maybe write a a sensationalistic book or something to that sort, amen? Or try to make a name for themselves. We don't associate with such ministries. We just stick with the plain sense interpretation of Scripture, amen? amen? If the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, or you will end up with nonsense. And when it comes to Bible prophecy, folks, there is a lot of nonsense out there. I always tell people, Christians for that matter. Don't get your doctrine from YouTube. That'll preach all day right there, right, Amen. <laughs> Don't get your doctrine from YouTube. I'll even take it a step further. Don't get your doctrine from Christian TV. Amen. Don't get your doctrine from Christian radio. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with, you know, watching Christian TV or Christian radio. Just use common sense when you do so. Make sure you're watching or you're listening to the right person who's teaching the right doctrine. Okay? If you're going to watch TV or Christian TV or radio, it's like eating watermelon. You eat the melon, but spit the seeds out. Amen? And there's a lot of seeds. They're going to be patootie Because there's just so much heresy out there. There's so much false doctrine being propagated out there. And a lot of this heresy has crept into the church. And it's scary. I mean, it is absolutely scary. The things that Christians post on Facebook. I'm not telling you nothing new. I mean... That you, you know, you say, "Well, brothers, that's anti-Semitism. It's just a disgusting thing." I agree, but what really scares me when I see it among God's people, and I see what these pastors are putting on Facebook concerning the Jewish people, it's absolutely unbelievable. And it has to get to the point where I either have to delete these guys as a friend, I'm talking pastors, or just block them altogether because of the heresy. That they're propagating. Which is the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be in this book every single day. Study. It's a filthy word in the church today. Study God's word for its plain sense interpretation. You let the Bible interpret the Bible because it's its best own interpreter. Amen? And when you follow that hermeneutic, which is the science of biblical interpretation... Who's speaking? Who's he speaking to? What is he speaking about? If you follow that hermeneutical rule, you will never go wrong doctrinally. Especially when it comes to the doctrine of Bible prophecy. Eschatology, as they say, that fancy theological word. Eschatology. The doctrine of last things. The doctrine of the end times that permeates one-fourth of this book. One-fourth. Of the word of God. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. If you weren't here for Sunday school. Prophecy is 33% of the Bible. 33% of the Bible. From Daniel 1. Going all the way to Revelation 22. Is 400 of 1189 verses of scripture. That deal with eschatology. It deals with the doctrine of Bible prophecy. God's program for Israel in the future. God's program for the Gentile nations in the future. God's program for the church. That's us. Not these four walls. That's you. You are the body of Christ. Individually, you are the body of Christ. And what is God's program for the church? To not only evangelize the world right now and share in the gospel. Amen? But God's program for the church is one day, he's taking her out of here. He's going to take her out of this world at the rapture of the church, before. That's pre before. That final seventieth week of Daniel's prophecy commences on planet Earth. Called a time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter thirty, verse seven. Who's Jacob? Genesis thirty two, twenty eight. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. It's a time of Israel's trouble. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. Daniel 9.24 tells us, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and thy holy city. Thy people, I know he ain't talking about Christians. I know he's not talking about the church. Thy people are the Jews. How do I know they're the Jews? Because he says, thy holy city. He ain't talking about Providence, Rhode Island. Washington, D.C. It's talking about what city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. A seven-year period to come upon unbelieving Israel and the unbelieving Gentile nations of the world. It has everything to do with the Jew and nothing to do with you. That's the reason why Jesus promised to keep us from... Remember that? Revelation 3.10 I will keep you from... From what, Lord? The hour of temptation... That's the tribulation period. To come upon all the world. To try, not us as a church, but to try who? Them. Who's them? Unbelieving Israel. Unbelieving Gentile nations of the world. To try them who dwell on the face of the earth. We will not be here. And I believe that we see some very strong indicators in the world today. Coming out of the Middle East. I've been to Israel 27 times. I'll be there for three weeks in March. I'll be there March 16th through the 27th with the Zola 11 Ministries tour group, but I'm not going to go there to tour. Preacher already brought this out. I'm going there to go soul winning. Okay. My friend Dr. Todd Baker and myself are going to Israel. We're going to evangelize. We're going to share the good news with the Jews because I want to see the Jews in the pews. In order for the Jews to be in the pews, the Jews need to hear the good news. That'll preach all day right there. And we go to Israel and walk into shopping malls as the Spirit of God leads. We'll walk into a store and we'll go one-on-one with that Israeli. We'll go one-on-one with that Israeli Arab and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus the Messiah. That's what we're going to be doing March 16th to the 27th. I'll also be shooting video out there at biblical sites on Bible prophecy after our day of evangelism. And then on the 27th, the Zola Eleven Ministries tour group will leave, but I'm staying in Israel. Yeah, I'm staying behind. In my home away from home. By the way, it's going to be your home one day too. For how many years? One thousand years. Jerusalem, our home, away from home. In the kingdom. I will remain in Israel as my wife brings over my tour group. For March 29th, To April 7th for our Bible prophecy tour to Israel. Right now as it stands, I believe we've got about 23, right? About 24 people signed up. We're talking pastors, people from all over have signed up to come to Israel with us. We might have a couple more people, but we do have some seats still available. Not a whole lot, but a few. If you want to come to Israel with me, not only will we be touring Israel... But we're gonna go over the Jordan River, east of the Jordan River. And we're gonna visit the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. We're gonna to go to Amman, Jordan, in the north. I've never even been there in all my trips to Jordan. I've never been to northern Jordan. We're gonna to go to Amman, Jordan. Amman, Ammon, named after the son of Lot, through the incestuous relationship with his daughters, after God, the sword, Sodom and Gomorrah, where well, they took Ammon and made it the capital of Jordan. Amman, Jordan. We're going to visit Mount Nebo. You all know Mount Nebo, right? That's where Moses viewed the promised land, the land of milk and honey before he died. Moses got a view of the Dead Sea. Moses got a view of the the Jordan Valley before he died and was buried at Mount Nebo. We're going to be visiting Mount Nebo. Then we'll drive from north to southern Jordan to where? I've said it many times since I've been coming to this church. Petra Because Petra will play a major role in end time Bible prophecy. And included in your tour price is a horse ride as you gallop to the very entrance to Petra. If you've never you know, you know rode on a horse before, now you're going to have that opportunity. It's included in the price. Petra, Isaiah sixteen more and four, Isaiah twenty six twenty, Isaiah sixty three, one through six, Revelation twelve six, Revelation twelve fourteen when the Jews flee for their very lives from the hands of the Antichrist, they will go to Petra. And God will feed them, shelter them, and protect them there for the last half of that seven-year period of tribulation until they're picked up by Jesus Christ at His second coming. Brings them back to Jerusalem where His feet will touch what mountain? Mount of Olives. How do we know that? Zechariah 14.4. When I take you to Jerusalem, I will take you to the Mount of Olives, my favorite place. We're going to have a little mini Bible prophecy conference right there. Where the very first Bible prophecy conference was given by Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's called the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. Jesus, by the way, ascended back into heaven from where? The Mount of Olives. And at a second coming, the holy toll of our Lord will touch the Mount of Olives. What's going to happen to the mount? (coughs) It's going to split right in half, man. And he's going to reestablish David's throne, King David's throne. He's going to sit on David's throne in the kingdom to come. A literal, Davidic, theocratic, 1,000 year kingdom reign of Jesus Christ. And we will reign with him. So if you want to get a foretaste of the kingdom, come to Israel with me. March 29th to April 7th. If you got questions about that, see me at the end um, of the service at our book table there, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. I think the tour price is thirty-four ninety per person, all inclusive. That includes two countries for the price of one: Israel and Jordan. Round trip airfare, buffet breakfast and dinner daily. Paul said, "I buffet my body daily." You're going to do that out there in Israel. <laughs> I know, I'm there a little bit there. It's an interpolation, amen? <laughs> I'm putting my own thoughts, my own ideas into that text. But, it's all buffet. Breakfast and dinner daily. Hotels, transportation, Israel, Jordan, trip. that's all included in the price. We left no stone unturned. So if you want to come to Israel with me, see me at the end of the service, sign up for my newsletters, newsletters on our big... T- uh, I'll get it out. Book table out there. And we do have some Holy Land products that I brought back from Israel... This past December And so check that out We got shofars, ram's horns All that good stuff there Prayer shawls or talits, All that stuff we brought back from uh, Israel Necklaces and all that good stuff there So check that out at the end of the service Alright, let's go to Ezekiel We were in Ezekiel for Sunday school, amen Well, we're going back to the book of Ezekiel Boy, we had a great teacher with the book of uh, Ezekiel uh, For Sunday school and so if you missed that, I'm sure Brother Juno, you can contact him. He'll let you know how you can get a copy of that message. But we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 38. We're going to begin in verse number one. Ezekiel chapter 38. And we're going to look at verse number one. Now, when we look at Ezekiel 38, and verse number 1, it talks about judgment on Gog. G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G OG. Who is God? He is the personality. He's an individual. He's alive today. He will come from the land of Magog. That is the land. That is the location north of the state of Israel. He, along with his Arab allies, Islamic nations, will come against the Jewish people will come against the state of Israel. And looking at Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse number one, it says this, And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and I will bring thee forth in all thine army horses and horsemen all of them clothed with all sorts of armor even a great company with bucklers and shields all of them handling swords. Look who invades with Magog. Persia. Ethiopia. And Libya. With them. All of them. With shield and helmet. Gomer. And all his bands the House of Togarma, of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Let's pray this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, and to feed your people the inspired and errant authoritative word of the living God. Father, as I preach this message this morning, once again I ask you, To hide me behind the cross of Christ. And that the Holy Spirit of God. Will dictate what I need to say. That the Spirit of God. Would move this morning. In this congregation. Among your people. That we would have a better understanding. Of this book. We call the book of Ezekiel. And what this Jewish prophet had to say. As he pre-wrote history. 2,500 years ago. And Lord. The main players here. In Ezekiel 38 are the main players that we see making so much noise in the Middle East today. And so Lord, I pray that you would help me to sensibly stay within the bounds of Scripture to preach and teach the plain sense interpretation of the Word of God. And if there is someone here this morning and they don't have that assurance of going to heaven when they die, the bad news is They're one trumpet sound away from being left behind at the rapture. They're one heartbeat away from going to hell, entering into a Christless eternity. It doesn't have to be that way. Today, they can call upon the name of the Lord, trust in the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, and be ready for either death or the rapture of the church. Be glorified now, Father, in everything that is said and done here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And Amen. When I reported on the Iranian strike, well that's what I want to talk about today is Magog and the Persian menace. And you're looking at a picture of a couple of menaces. Especially this guy over here. And what they just recently did to our U.S. servicemen in Iraq. So I reported about this, Brother Juno, on my live streaming show on Facebook, Wednesday through Friday at around 1 p.m. I I, I do this live streaming. And how this Iranian strike on our U.S. military basis in Al-Assad, Iraq, when that happened, I gave a prophetic perspective from a biblical point of view on my Facebook page. I uploaded the video this one Christian guy responded to what I had to say without giving me any Bible any biblical backing all he did was give me his opinion and this is what he said and I'm going to read exactly verbatim what he said to me when I responded about what happened there what, about a week ago now this is what he said This theology, talking about Bible prophecy, this theology would have people of Christ hoping and praying for a huge Middle Eastern war in order to bring about the rapture. It's dangerous and frankly not representative of the way of Jesus for his people to be praying for millions to be slaughtered. This guy's saying... We're praying for a mass slaughter in the Middle East in order to bring about the rapture. Are you praying that? Because I know I'm not. Let me go on. You and I will probably disagree, you think? And that's okay. I still believe we are brothers. I just can't see... I just can't see... The God who dies for His enemies rather than harm them, desiring his people to be almost giddy when talking about a war fulfilling a vague prophecy. I challenged him on this. And I gave him so much, I shot so much scripture at this guy, he thought he was at the okay corral. I gave him three hours to respond. And he never responded. Was Jesus vague in his all of it discourse when he said there shall be wars and rumors of wars, nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom? There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Was Jesus being vague there? In Revelation chapter six, when Jesus opens the seals, that results in one fourth of the world's population dying. Was John being vague in Revelation chapter six? I don't think so. When when God dispatches seven angels to blow seven shofars or seven trumpets that results in another one-third of humanity perishing in the tribulation period, was He being vague? These prophecies are far from being vague. So all this guy is doing is giving his opinion. Listen, everybody's entitled to their opinion, amen? But when it comes to the Word of God, your opinion means nothing. My opinion means nothing. It's what God says in His Word. It's it's amazing to me today that Christians in general have no clue when it comes to the doctrine of eschatology or an understanding of a a theology, he calls it theology, and it is, but this theology permeates at least one-fourth of the Scriptures. Again, I challenge this guy on it. And he never once responded back. Folks, listen, we can't bury our heads in the sand. Uh, you know, as, as born-again believers, and ignore these prophetic scriptures. And I just think there's just too much ignorance in the church today among believers who treat the doctrine of Bible prophecy with such contempt. I mean, we're looking at the prophecies of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, they're far from being vague, as this individual claims. Listen, Bible prophecy is not hard to understand. It's hard to believe. If you believe it, you will understand it. And how can you understand it? When you do A Revelation 1, three says, Blessed is he that readeth, operate that eye gate there, blessed is he that readeth, when you operate your eye gate, that's how you get information in the back of that cerebellum of yours. Amen? Yes. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear. 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 That's what we, we 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 activate the ear gate. You know, hear the word of this prophecy. Keep those things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. You read, you hear, and it goes into the heart. Amen? By the way, activate that touch gate too by taking down notes. Another way of getting information. I heard a very well-known Bible prophecy. If I said his name, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But a very well-known nationwide Bible prophecy teacher says, when I teach Sunday school and I don't see people taking down notes, I get angry. That's not the spirit talking, that's the flesh talking. <coughs> Listen, if you don't take notes, I'm not going to blow a gasket over it. But I would encourage you to take notes. Amen. It's another way of getting information into your brain. Another way of getting information into your head. Eye gate when you read. Another way of getting information into your head. Amen. Uh, here another way of getting information into. Your, even if I repeat it and I'm repetitious, repetition is good. Amen. You keep repeating. You know when I when I write something down. You know when it comes to notes, I like to go over those notes one hundred. Times by doing so I'm locking it right here because I want recall when I'm teaching it to you so we can't bury our heads in the sand and treat Bible prophecy folks with such contempt Ezekiel timeline for the Jewish people Daniel timeline for the Gentiles Revelation a timeline for the church as we taught in Sunday school and the prophecies in those books, ladies and gentlemen, are far from being vague. When I, when this guy made this comment, it reminded me of 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 5. Peter said, in the last days, for this, they willingly are ignorant. Can I give you the August Rosado interpretation of 2 Peter 3 5? In the last days, they'll be stuck on stupid. And that's exactly what we see going on today. It's a willful ignorance of God's word. Read the word of God. Study the word of God. Memorize the word of God. And don't treat the doctrine of Bible prophecy with contempt. Iran continues to be a menace in the Middle East. And no doubt a clear and present danger To Israel as well as to the United States of America. Iran is a harbinger of terrorism. When they're in the streets of Tehran, they shout about the United States. The great Satan. And then they'll shout about Israel. The little Satan. Because the great Satan supports the little Satan. America is the great Satan. Israel is the little Satan according to the mullahs. In Iran. Of course you know. On January the 7th. Iran. Fired about. Uh, 10 long range missiles. At US military installations. At the Al-Assad Iraq. A military base. And they kept their promise. Of retaliation. Now praise the Lord. There were no casualties. But you can see clearly. Where the damage was done. We I mean, look right there. Uh, right here. Right there. Damage done there. We see damage done. Right over here. Why did they do that? Because we took out their number two guy. Kassam Soleimani. Responsible folks for killing hundreds of American servicemen and U.S. citizens. It was only, you know, he should have been taken out a long time ago. It's about time that there was a president that said he was gonna do what he was gonna do and he did it. And he took out a terrorist. Took him out. And yet, I don't understand how I got those, these people on the liberal left. They said, oh, how did, you shouldn't have done something like that to someone like Soleimani. This guy has so much blood on his hands, it's not even funny. But yet, Iran said, we're going to retaliate. And they did. And they were bombing the U.S. military installations in Al-Assad, Iraq. Listen, folks, Bible prophecy is going to be fulfilled whether you like it or not. Amen? Bible prophecy is going to be fulfilled whether the Christian likes it or the non-Christian likes it. The rapture will is going to happen not when there's a mass slaughter in the Middle East as this uninformed guy was trying to say. The rapture is going to happen when God says it's going to happen. Because you don't know the day and you don't know the hour. That's only God's prerogative, amen? Only He knows the day and the hour of when He will send His Son to call His bride out of this world. We're not praying for millions to be slaughtered in the Middle East in order for the rapture to take place. That's just nonsense, amen? It's nonsense. It's just that this guy has no clue of Scripture, folks. That's obvious. The rapture is imminent. It is the next main event... On God's calendar of events. That's the next main event, folks. First Thessalonians four, sixteen through eighteen. That's a great rapture passage right there. Another great rapture passage, First Corinthians 51-52. But the, the, the Thessalonian passage in First Thessalonians four, thirteen through eighteen, Paul said, For I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. If Paul was here today, I'd say, Paul, too late. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. You know, he says, concern them which are asleep, those Christians that have died on, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also them which sleep within Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise for us. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why would Paul say comfort one another with these words? We're not going to be here, man. We're out of here, amen. Before the tribulation period. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 1, let not your, your heart be troubled. If we're going to be on the earth in the tribulation period, your heart better be troubled. Call up Jim Baker, order some survival supplies. He's a post-tribber anyway. He says, you're going through the, all seven years of the tribulation period, he said. All seven years of it. So, if you want to try to survive it, order my survival gear. They did that with, uh, what was that, a Y2K? <laughs> Remember y Y2K? Man, these prophecy guys were, were, I mean, they were raking it all the way to the bank, man. Selling fear and, you know, your money's gonna disappear and all this stuff, planes falling from the sky, the, all the computer systems of the world are going to fail, you need to buy survival gear, porta parties, dry food, this and that. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And when January 1st, 2000 came, there wasn't even a stinking glitch. Man, those guys went laughing all the way to the bank That's sensationalism That's what you need to avoid If you see these guys on YouTube or on TV With this type of sensationalism Brother August Rosado's advice to you is Ignore them Stay away from such individuals They're not prophets But they are prophets Know the play on words there They ain't Prophets But they are prophecies. That is the next main event. No signs precede the rapture. No prophecies have to be fulfilled. The rapture is an imminent event that can happen at any moment, at any time. And there are serious indicators all over the world signifying we are almost there. Jesus is about to call His bride out of the world. Then when we read Ezekiel 38, verse number 5, it refers to Persia. Persia will join Gog and Magog in attack on the state of Israel maybe sometime after the rapture and maybe even before the tribulation period. The Bible does not give us a timeline for this attack. And I've heard many postulations as to when this is going to happen. It could happen before the rapture. It could happen after the rapture. Maybe even the first half of the tribulation period. We don't know that. If I had to give you my sanctified speculation... It would probably happen after the rapture, maybe even possibly before the tribulation. And and I'll explain why in just a few moments. But Ezekiel says, Persia, along with Ethiopia, Libya, all of them with shield and helmet will join Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubo, Gomer, Togamer, to attack the Jewish state of Israel. And you're looking at, again, a, a satellite image, of the Middle East. Here we have the state of Israel, They no bigger than the state of New Jersey. And then we see the attack coming from the north. These two countries coming from the north. An attack coming from the east. An attack coming from the west. An attack coming from the south. All these guys are mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, in Ezekiel's coalition. Okay? May God... As I said, if we weren't here for Sunday school, Magog was the son of Japheth, the son of Noah. Uh, Genesis chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. When Magog broke away from his family, according to the Jewish historian Josephus Flavius, Magog settled north of the Caspian and Black Seas. And what nation is north of the Caspian and Black Sea today? Russia! Now, could Vladimir Putin be the Gog individual? I don't know. Could be a possibility, but I could be wrong as well. We don't know, all I know is, Gog comes from the land of Magog, and he will lead that attack. Then, Magog's brothers, Meshach and Tubal, Ezekiel 38.2, Gomer Togamer, Ezekiel 38.6, they will also attack, and by the way, Josephus says, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer Togamer, they settled south of the Caspian Black Sea. What country is south of the Caspian Black Sea today? When I was at the Istanbul airport, waiting for a flight, To Israel, in Turkey by the way, there was a replica of an ancient Turkish map there. And you know what I saw on that replica of that ancient Turkish map? Turkey in ancient times. Mishek, Tubo, Gomer, Togarmer, Make up what is today, the Islamic State of Turkey. With a radical president, Tayyip Erdogan, who just sent troops over to... Libya, Ezekiel 38:5, will also join in the attack, along with Ethiopia, Sudan, and Somalia, will all ally together to invade the Jewish state of Israel. Persia attacking from the east, Magog from the north, Mishak Tubal Gomer Togamer from the north, Ethiopia from the south, uh, Libya from the west will all attack, ladies and gentlemen, the Jewish state of Israel. And we see the early fruition of this going on right now. And again, if you weren't here for Sunday school, I told you this. In 1936, Persia changed their name to Iran. And Iran means land of the Aryans. Why? Due to Nazi influence when Nazi officials visited Persia in 1936, encouraged them to change the name. What Adolf Hitler said, the only religion I respect is Islam. The only prophet I admire is the prophet Muhammad. When this guy sent officials over there to Persia, he says, listen guys, we're on the same page here. We both have a goal. And that goal is to kill All the Jews We'll kill them in Europe You go and you kill them In the Middle East That's why this evil individual Had such an affection For Islam You know what Islam means? Submission Either you convert or submit Or you die You either die Or you pay a very heavy tax To Islam Or convert Those are your only choices. Now, you know, it's interesting because... Let me see if we can get the next slide here. I don't know why it's sticking like this here. Come on. Brother, can you transition up there? I'm not sure. I don't know why it's, it's sticking over here now. There you go. President Donald J. Trump said that if Iran attacks U.S. military installations, which it did... He said, we're going to hit 52. Keep that number in mind. 52 Iranian sites and destroy them. You know, it's interesting that on November 4th, 1979, 52 American hostages were held for 444 days in Iran with the uprising of the Iranian revolution. And when Iran... Threatened to attack us, and they did attack us. President Trump ordered a B-52 bombers en route from the Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana to Diego Garcia, an island air base in the Indian Ocean located only 2,300 miles south of Iran's southernmost tip. Also deployed, the United States Air Force launched an astounding 52 advanced fighter jets in quick succession from an air force base in Utah in the face of this Iranian threat against US forces now how many of you have heard of hebrew gematria okay in other words there are 22 letters in the hebrew alphabet right every letter has a numerical value aleph bet gimel dalet hey vav Zion, Chet, Tate, yod kaf Lamed Mem Nun Ayin Kof Resh Shin Those are the twenty-two letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And every letter, ladies and gentlemen, has a numerical value to it. By the way, when you read Psalm one nineteen, that whole chapter of Psalm one nineteen, the whole chapter corresponds to the twenty-two letters of the Hebrew alphabet, or as they say in Hebrew, the Aleph Bet. So when you read Psalm 19, you'll see how that chapter corresponds to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So since we're talking about Ezekiel 38, we are talking about... Now there's a Hebrew word up there. You always read Hebrew right to left. So we have Mem, Gimel, Vav, Gimel. That is Magog in Hebrew. Magog or... Magog. Mem has the equivalent of the number 40. Gimel 3. Vod 6 Gimel 3. So when you add those Hebrew letters up, what does it come out to? 52. I'm not saying there's a prophetic connection to that number because I don't want to dramatize here, okay? I just find it interesting that you hear this number 52 coming up from all these military analysts in the United States, and yet Magog has the equivalent of Mem, has the M sound, Mem, 40, Gimel, 3, Vav, 6, Gimel, 3, 52, ladies and gentlemen. 52 is the numerical value of Magog. I find that to be pretty interesting. And as you well know, Russia is very, very tight with her Arab allies. You're looking at three dangerous individuals up on that screen. They're all sworn enemies, not only to the United States, but to the state of Israel, especially to the state of Israel. Let's refer to them by their (coughs) biblical names here. Persia, Ezekiel 38.5. Meshach Tubal, Ezekiel 38.2. Gomer Togamer, Ezekiel 38.6. Gog, Magog, Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse number 2. Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran. Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey. And Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. And yet those guys are all holding hands. What are they, what are they telling the world? We are allied together they're already conducting war games out in the Mediterranean because they want to send a clear message to the United States and especially to Israel. You attack any of our allies, we are going to respond with our military. I believe, folks, that we see the early fruition of Ezekiel's prophecy come to pass here. Turkey just sent troops, as I said, over to Libya, I'm talking major players, folks, in light of biblical prophecy. However, Ezekiel says, they will one day be destroyed, where? Look with me in the next chapter, Ezekiel 39, 4. Ezekiel, chapter 39, and verse number 4. Actually, I'll I'll begin in verse 1. This is now the destruction of Magog and her allies. In Ezekiel 39 verse 1 it says Therefore thou son of man prophesy against God and say thus saith the Lord God Behold I am against thee O God the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field be devoured thou shalt fall upon the open field for I have spoken it saith the Lord how does that commercial go? when E.F. Hutton speaks everyone listens but guess what? when God speaks these nations are wiped out notice it says I will leave but a sixth part of you Know what that means? Five-sixths of the Arab world is going to be wiped out when they come against Israel. Five out of every six Muslims wiped out. And when that invasion is wiped out, that will leave room for the Gentile Antichrist to come on the scene and secure Israel's protection until he backstabs The Jewish people, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27. So, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, let's go, oh, there we go. When the dust settles and the smoke clears, the Bible says Israel will burn their weapons. For how many years? Burn their weapons for seven years. Look look at verse 9 with me, Ezekiel 39, 9. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire for seven years. Now, immediately, I know it's going through all of your heads right now. They're going to be burning the weapons of Gog and her Arab allies during the seven-year period of tribulation. I used to think that. But that can't be the case. Because at the midway point of the tribulation period, the Jewish people flee the land of Israel. When the Antichrist breaks his covenant with them. So if they flee at the midway point of the tribulation period, that means they must leave off the burden of those weapons. And not cover the whole entire seven years. So how do we justify that? I would recommend that you get this book from a friend of mine. A really good uh, prophecy teacher, Doctor Ron Rose, the end of times in chronological order, a complete overview to understanding Bible prophecy, and he gives a pretty good scenario as to what it's talking about here. In Ezekiel chapter thirty-nine, and verse number nine, I told you I believe that this attack happened after the rapture. Church is already gone. Tribulation period has not started yet. The Gog-Magog invasion is destroyed sometime after the rapture. And before the tribulation period begins, the first half of it, Israel is burning these weapons of wars for three and a half years leading up into the first three and a half years into the tribulation period. So they're burning the weapons of war between the rapture and the start of the tribulation period for three and a half years, going into the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. That would that would cover seven years. And then at the midway point, the Jews flee from the Antichrist when he performs the abomination of desolation, according to Jesus, in Matthew 24, 15. That's the only way that we can justify The burning of the weapons of war for seven years. Three and a half years after the rapture. And three and a half years for the first half of the tribulation period. That would cover seven years until the Jewish people flee for their very lives. That would cover that seven year period of tribulation. Folks, I believe, without a doubt in my mind, I believe the stage is set. I believe the actors are getting into position. I believe the curtain is about to go up on the end time drama. The major players in Ezekiel's prophecy you see making so much noise in the Middle East today. Russia. Gog, Magog. Turkey. Meshach Tubal. Gomer. Togamur. Persia. Iran. Libya. Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia. I'm making so much noise in the Middle East. What did Jesus say in Luke 21-28? And when you see these things begin, not fulfilled, begin to come to pass. What does he tell us to do? Look up! Lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Up next, the rapture of the church. No signs preceded. No prophecies have to be fulfilled. That means keep your ear hold on. We are listening for the sound of a shofar. Well, how do you know a trumpet in the Bible is a shofar? Well, just read your Bible. Joshua chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, 8, 13. Five times it says, The priest blew the trumpet of ram's horns. That's what I have on my table I brought back from Israel. Ram's horns. How do you say ram's horns in Hebrew? Say it loud. Shofar. Shofar's so good. <laughs> shofar! This is a Yemenite shofar. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. But we're going to hear the sound of a shofar it'll be so loud, all the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, we are told to comfort one another with these words. inkling of an eye, <coughs> bye-bye. Amen. We're out of here. Amen. He's going to take us to the Father's house and we will forever be at the side of Jesus Christ. In heaven for a brief seven-year stay. So, August, oh, what are we going to be doing in heaven for that brief seven years? Uh, the Bema, judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the marriage, be a beautiful Jewish wedding up there. <laughs> and then the marriage feast. Amen. And we have our fill at that heavenly buffet. We get on white horses. We follow Jesus Christ back to planet earth at the end of the tribulation period on earth. He'll destroy the antichrist, the false prophet, throw them in the lake of fire. Satan's bound in the bottomless pit and he will establish a kingdom from Jerusalem. 1,000 years. Woof! Nice. does it get any better than that, amen? It's enough to make a Methodist say, I'm a fundamental Baptist. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan's loose out of the bottomless pit. Why? Because God said so. He'll try one final time to overthrow the kingdom of Jesus and as usual, he'll fail. And then Revelation 20 verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. So whenever that lousy devil reminds you of your past, you better remind him of his future. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Then there'll be the new heavens, the new earth, and then a new Jerusalem will come down. Heaven comes to a new earth, a new renovated planet earth and then eternity will begin for you and I with Jesus Christ with God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit our loved ones that have gone before us eternity will begin for us why would you want to miss out on that get saved today trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior yeah. And be ready for that glorious event.